So who do we trust, huh? Like always, me and Dee. Jen, come back. <laughs> I think you're revealing too much of your personal feelings here, Monica. Jen, we miss you. We oh, do no. miss you, though. <laughs> I miss you guys, too. You're so far away. I am very far away. I am still in New Jersey, where we've had a lot of rain. Why do I always default to talking about the weather? It's literally the most boring thing you could talk about. Because it's something humans do. (laughs) I want to be better than that. But you know where it doesn't rain? Southern California. Where Starsky and Hutch are from. Oh, but when it rains, it pours. (laughs) So in case it wasn't clear... This is me and the and three, a Starsky and Hutch fan podcast. I'm Monica. I'm Jen. And I'm Rachel. And this week it's just the three of us. Although we did have wonderful guests the last three episodes. Was it three episodes in a row? Two. Last two. And then Caroline was before that. Yeah, because I think we had a normal episode in between. Okay. So hopefully you guys enjoyed um, listening to our guests. I saw Monica's been kind enough to share the um, discussions on the Facebook group with us. And people seem to be really enjoying those episodes and giving our guests the compliments that they so richly deserve. So thank you again to Don and Ilana for being part of this. And we hope to have more guests in the future. But for this week, it's just the three of us. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Starsky and Hutch has actually been in entertainment news recently because the TV show uh, that was going to air on Amazon uh, was canceled and apparently was actually canceled a couple months ago, but no one from Amazon ever made a press release about it. They said it's not policy that they cancel plenty of projects uh, while they're being worked on and that in Unless uh, someone asks, it's not their policy to tell people. That's really weird. Yep. That is very strange. I mean, I I guess they don't want to uh, be in the news as much as possible. Because they have been in the news in not good ways a lot lately. Uh, So they're just like, let's just pretend we're all happy and nothing is going on. That's true. Amazon feels like it would have been a weird place for it, too, because you think of streaming TV as as being great for long-form serial storytelling, not episodic procedural storytelling, which is what... I mean, if they were trying to do a more serialized Darsky and Hutch, I wouldn't be opposed, but it seems an odd fit I feel like if they do ever make a remake, I would want it to be more like what they've done with Hawaii Five-0 or the recent 
is it Lethal Weapon series that is on? I think my parents watched that. Basically, I, I think that returning to network TV and doing a procedural that is updated in the ways that it would need to be updated might be the best way to go about it. But I'm also totally fine with it never happening. <laughs> I am fine with it never happening. I'll admit, had it aired, I would have watched it. I was curious. And uh, if you'll remember that uh, in interviews, James Gunn said that it wasn't going to be a reboot, that it was going to be set in the 70s and follow directly from the end of the original Starsky and Hutch. That it was supposed to be a continuation and not a reboot, which is an odd choice, but honestly made me more curious. I think it's probably just as well that it's not happening, but especially with the controversy surrounding James Gunn. But it sounded odd and so maybe Amazon was the right place for it <laughs> that that yeah that does sound like it would have been very odd and I wouldn't be opposed to a continuation but that seems like a weird way to do it because you're not going to capture the 70s in the same way that the show did it wouldn't feel like a continuation no so it, it would probably just feel odd and anachronistic I would, however, be totally fine if they did it sort of Dallas or uh, Fuller House uh, style, where they just got the original cast back, minus um, Bernie Hamilton, obviously, and just said, like, this is what they're doing as old people. I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> I would absolutely watch that. Yeah, yeah. But then they'd probably give Starsky and Hutch wives. Well, they can, they can, still, they can still be in love and still have families of their own it would joss a lot of fic yeah i mean i i think fandom is good at ignoring uh those down the road uh specials that that joss their head cannons that's true but it's it certainly it would be lovely to see and i think it would make lovely vid fodder but i'm still stuck on the idea of a continuation trying to capture the feel of the 70s while being made in this day and I wonder if it would just end up feeling like Starsky's like coma dream of what's happening or something. Oh my god. Oh no. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Sort of a last season of original Roseanne weird coma dream. <laughs> yeah. No, no one wants to remake the last season of no. original Roseanne. That was the worst, notoriously one of the worst uh, seasons of television ever. But yeah. I think we could all agree that it's it's probably for the best that there's not going to be a new Starsky and Hutch series. I'm still a little disappointed just because, like, even if I don't like them necessarily, it's, like, always interesting to see what happens. But anyway, yeah. One of the reasons I think it's good is because having seen the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, I feel like James Gunn might have taken away from the show things that are not my takeaways from the show. And I have found when reading descriptions of Starsky and Hutch that often it's about how they're such tough street cops and they drive a flashy muscle car and they're so cool and tough and masculine and tough. And that they're like, sure, they can be tough, but that's not really what the show was about. And it's hard to even find accurate, good descriptions of Starsky and Hutch because of this. But on the plus side, I did find a very lovely write-up about Starsky and Hutch recently. 
in the Suburban, which is a newspaper from uh, my hometown, which is hyper, hyper local. And it's the type of free newspaper that just lands on everybody's driveways every week without anyone asking for it. I'm sorry, but the Suburban is the dorkiest name for a newspaper I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, I do come from the New Jersey suburbs. It's it's accurate. <laughs> and in the July 18th issue, there is a, a page called Entertainment Best Bets. And so there's just like someone recommending some Hallmark movies. There's people asking like, hey, will... The Connors work without Roseanne. We're apparently going to keep talking about Roseanne. And then there's something called Remind. And I guess maybe this is pulled from somewhere else because it says it's by Lori Akin of Remind Magazine. I googled it and it doesn't look like it's anywhere else. Okay, so this magical thing that only I found, <laughs> it's titled Starsky and Hutch, The Cars, The Clothes, The Bear, The Bromance. <laughs> so we're off to a raring start. And honestly, this is probably one of the best modern descriptions of the show that I've seen in, in mainstream reporting, which makes me think that this woman is, or at least was, uh, genuinely a fan of the show. So I'm going to read this to you guys because it's a very short article. They patrolled the streets of fictional Bay City for just four seasons, but studly buddy cops Star David Starsky and Kenneth Hutch Hutchinson still bromanced their way into television history. <laughs> the brainchild of TV visionary Aaron Spelling, who hoped to hip up the cop show genre, Starsky and Hutch bowed in 1975 and parlayed the broad appeal of its stars Paul Michael Glazer and David Soule, their easygoing on- and off-screen bond, proudly multicultural casting, and, of course, that iconic tomato-red Ford Gran Torino into an ABC hit. Collared by some critics as too gritty for its time thanks to graphic depictions of crime, drug use, and racism, Starsky and Hutch still lured in a legion of lady fans who gleefully took sides about which cop made their hearts beat faster. The brainy blonde Hutch, soul, who further bolstered, bolstered his sex symbol status with the lovelorn 1976 pop radio hit Don't Give Up On Us. Or Glazer's streetwise, smart-mouthed Starsky, the antithesis of the Cambridge, Massachusetts-born actor who held two master's degrees. Even preteens too young to stay up to watch the detectives do their thing got in on the debate, courtesy of mags like Tiger Beat, which positioned the 30-something actors alongside fresh-faced teen dreams on their covers. You know, I never really thought about that detail. That That is a little creepy. <laughs> but, I mean, not unusual. They definitely had 30-something musicians and actors in Teen Beat and Tiger Beat when I was a kid. Okay. Alongside teens. Yeah, I, mean, I guess, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, you're going to have older teens looking at it, too, and they're not going to be into the 13-year-olds. They are aspirationally looking at the older guys. Right. So I'll continue. Pairing Glazer's freewheeling, Brooklyn-born ex-army man against Soul's thinky Midwestern divorcee, Spelling and veteran TV writer William Blinn turned the button-down cop drama on its ear, letting the fellas be silly sometimes, going undercover as Vegas dandies, hairstylists, and hillbillies, and other times placing them in dire situations that reflected the social landscape and highlighted the depth of the duo's friendship. 
To further up the hip factor, the pair were often upstaged by their pal-slash-informant Huggy Bear, a groovy, ghetto-smart guy who turned character actor Antonio Fargus into a bona fide star. But sex appeal wasn't enough to keep the cops riding high in Starsky's striped tomato, a car glazer openly loathed. Growing distastes for televised violence led the writers to tone down the duo's police work and focus on their personal lives, which sat well with neither actor. The duo only stayed through the fourth and final season after Spelling gave them more input on the scripts. But the boys and baby blue bell-bottoms remained bonded to the end. The series finale sees Hutch exacting revenge on Starsky's would-be assassin, then sneaking booze and stuffed veal into his buddy's hospital room, where Starsky offers a far-out farewell, saluting himself, Hutch, Huggy, and stalwart Captain Dobie, a toast to ver four very, very heavy dudes, he announces. God bless us all. I really like that uh, the sweet revenge end is in there. I love that the Sweet Revenge End is in there. I love that it name-checks very specific episodes throughout mm -hmm. the series. I love that it accurately describes who and what Huggy is. Yes. So many of those things are things you can't uh, assume will be in modern coverage of Starsky and Hutch. So it's, I mean, I think it's impossible for this not to have been written by a fan. Mm-hmm. And one of us. One of us. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know who uh Lori Akin is, but I really appreciate her little write up of Starsky and Hutch there. Any other uh recent appearances or thoughts about Starsky and Hutch that you guys have noticed? <laughs> I ran into uh some mentions in an unexpected place. Um so last week was my sister's birthday, and we're the kind of family who, uh, we just sit around and play trivia games all day <laughs> for birthdays. Like, you know, that's what we do. That sounds and, great. And her specialty is, what she likes to play games about most is, um, 80s music. So we played about four different games that was, were about 80s, uh, music, trivia, and the first one we played was a DVD game that came out some years ago with a heavy British focus, which is, again, her specialty. And one of the questions, it was, it was about When Doves Cry by Prince, and it was asking who sang When Doves Cry, so, and this was my question. So when I read the question, I was like, oh, I actually know that one, because I'm not great at these games. I do my best, but you know, I I don't really win. I won I won eighties Trivial Pursuit once. That was amazing. I don't know how I did that, but that happened. Okay. Anyway, side note, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> it's still nice. <laughs> so, this question, um, about when doves cry. I don't remember the exact wording. It was like it was just basically like who performed uh, when Doves Cry when it hit the UK charts in whatever. And and uh, so, you know, it was multiple choice because it was a DVD game. So then I, I looked down and the very first option was David's soul. And I just cracked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, oh well, I mean, I, this, this does have a British bet after all. So, you know, it was a little more understandable that he did pop up there. Um, but it was just... It's just really, really cool to see that. And then, like, I had to explain to my mother <laughs> um, why I was cracking up. I, I, 
did not choose David Soul. I wanted to get the points, so I chose Prince. <laughs> and then the... Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just trying to imagine what a David Soul cover of When Doves Cry would sound like. I have no... <laughs> I feel like it probably wouldn't be good. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing against his skills, but he's he's not Prince. Although I guess they're both from Minnesota. So. Well, is David... <laughs> David Soul's actually from South Dakota? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but he's lived in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely whatever. lived in Minnesota. They're both associated with the upper Midwest. Mm-hmm. There was also a uh, another Starsky and Hutch reference um, in one of the games we played. We were playing 80s CNET, which is a game that I, I can actually get quite a few questions for 80s CNET. And it just has to do with, like, 80s entertainment and a little bit of politics and fads and stuff in general and one of the questions was this was my mother's question it was out of out of four options pick the one that was not an original care bear don't ask me what the other options were but number three was huggy bear (laughs) (laughs) and and like when the question first popped up i i was like i there's no way I would get this. And then when I saw the answers, I was like, okay, I could get this. <laughs> and my mother had to actually think about it because she was, she was never, she never watched Starsky and Hutch. So yeah, my sister uh, knew the answer though as well. And my mother did ultimately pick the correct answer, but it was very much, um, it was, it was cool. And it was fun to see them there to see those answers. That's awesome. very unexpected. That second one, especially I think is so funny. And I don't know when Care Bears first started coming out. Um, My sisters and I definitely had some Care Bears. um, But I think it would be funny if Starsky and Hutch did tease Huggy about sounding like he was a Care Bear. Oh, man. Like, definitely in the 80s, they would do that, you know? So they just got to wait a few years Mm post-show. It's true, because the Care Bears definitely started, like, before I was old enough to start watching TV. Okay. Now, now I'm looking up. I'm just Googling all over the place. David Soul was born in Chicago, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. My dad was born in Chicago. Man, maybe you just are secretly. <laughs> just you're you're spiritually connected to every aspect of Hutch. <laughs> that would be weird. The original artwork for Care Bears was painted by artist Claire Russell for American Greetings in 1981 uh, to be used on greeting cards. So 1982 was when the show started. So yeah, not too not too long after the end of Starsky and Hutch, they could tease Huggy about being a Care Bear. Perfect. I mean, given given a couple more seasons and like the license, they they might have done. You know. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, in other random uh, sightings of Starsky and Hutch, I recently watched the Netflix series Mindhunter, which is about the uh, beginnings of the criminal profiling and uh, behavioral analysis um, departments of the FBI. And at one point, the character, the lead character played by Jonathan Groff, is sitting in his living room with his girlfriend and they're watching TV and they pan to the TV and they are watching Starsky and Hutch. And the show takes place in 1977. So I thought that was fun that that they had that little detail. But also a part of me kind of wants crossover fic 
because this show is about fictionalized versions of uh, the FBI agents who started this department. They're not the same people. They have different names, different family backstories. So they're fictional creations based on real people. And they start out by going around the country and teaching um, profiling techniques to, to police departments all around. So I really would love a fic where these characters go to Bay City and help Starsky and Hutch solve a crime. It would be a perfect fit, um, considering the timeline. And it's a very good show, but watching it made me think about how quaint the idea of Starsky and Hutch being too violent seems <laughs> in 2018. This is a Netflix show, they have no restrictions, and the amount of gore a guy like blows his head off with a shotgun in the opening wow. scene of the show and they don't pan away when he does that. Oh so, so while I do recommend it, I do think it's a well done show. Only watch it if you have a strong stomach um, and can deal with graphic violence and sex uh, and language because it's all there. Mindhunter has definitely been on my to watch list and like for those reasons I kind of want to like bump it up the list. Yeah, I mean, I've been listening um, to a lot of My Favorite Murder, as I know we've mentioned before, and so watching Mindhunter was cool in that I actually knew a lot of the horrific human beings that they were visiting and interviewing in jail. I knew who they were and what they'd done based on listening to uh, My Favorite Murder. The 70s were really rife with serial killers, and that's when the sort of concept of of the serial killer as a phrase sort of came into being so it makes sense that that starsky and hutch would have been one of the the more violent uh cop shows at the time if this was this kind of crime was becoming more and more part of the public consciousness it is true though they only deal with serial killers about do they deal with a serial killer more than once i don't think so Okay, if you count the Charles Manson-based character, Simone, you can Simone. say two. Right. Because they did take, like, a few, several college-age girls right. to sacrifice. So, if you, count, if you count Simone and his cult, two. Because there was the um, blue lady one. Right. Yeah, they're definitely less likely to deal with that well, the, the, he was the a lost... serial killer huh sorry the episode deck watch had a serial oh, killer oh yeah he was, he was yes he and was he was very much a serial killer i feel like the las vegas strangler oh yep. yes okay Counts. okay all of a sudden <laughs> here are all these serial killers falling out I, i'm sorry i guess i just could not remember that you just shake the 70s and serial killers fall out of it <laughs> that's what happens yeah yeah, I, so I realize that's all that's all kind of morbid, but um, since I mentioned I've been listening to a lot of My Favorite Murder, their most recent episode, they talked about the Synanon cult, and this is where my youth is going to betray itself, because I had never heard of this cult, but apparently it was uh, something that started as a drug rehabilitation program whose main feature was people sitting in a circle and being mean to each other. And it gradually turned into, this is a rehab program for life, and everybody's going to shave their head and live here, and then they're going to be commanded to attack people who disagree with them. So wow. it very quickly moved into cult territory. And uh, the, the women on My Favorite Murder mentioned um, 
one of the things that this cult did, which was that there was a an attorney named Paul Morantz, and he had been railing against and on and trying to get the government to pay attention and, and stop the cult from committing violence, which they were doing. And the cult didn't like that very much, uh, so they put a rattlesnake into his mailbox. And they had taken off the rattle on the rattlesnake so that there would be no hint of the attack before it happened. The guy survived, but he was hospitalized for six days. He basically only survived because a, a neighbor applied a tourniquet. So I, I was listening to that, and I was thinking, obviously, about Satan's witches. And at first I thought that Starsky and Hutch had sort of ripped this from the headlines. But it turns out this attack happened in October of 78, and the Starsky and Hutch episode aired in February of 78. So now I'm wondering if the Synanon cult members watched Starsky and Hutch and got the idea from that. Or if there's some other unknown right. incident. That... Was this just a common way that people were attacking their enemies in the 70s? Maybe not common, but maybe it had happened earlier <laughs> that both of them were inspired. Also, I just want to say, I think that com- current medical advice is if you're bitten by a rattlesnake, don't put a tourniquet on. I I believe you are correct. So just uh, if our listeners are listening uh, and you get bit by a snake, don't apply a tourniquet. Because you're just doing more harm to your own tissue rather than stopping the venom. I believe. I th- I think that is what it is. I don't know. Yeah, that hmm. sounds right. That may- I have never been possibly about to be bitten by a snake, given the places that I've lived in this country. So I will keep that in mind should I ever encounter that. But Dude, there's there's me- rattlers here. Me- medical in Wisconsin. Yes. Now I'm going to go Where? down another Wikipedia no, rabbit hole. The whole thing. Like when I was in elementary school, like once we like had to like leave and not go because oh, they had animal control or something. I don't know. It must have been an escaped pet or something because I don't think they're natural. Well, <laughs> but I, I did live two years of my childhood in Arizona. And so I did get snake safety tips when I was living there. The 36 known species of rattlesnakes have between 65 and 70 subspecies, ranging from southern Alberta and Saskatchewan uh, and southern British Columbia to central Argentina. So that would that would cover Wisconsin. Huh, okay. But well, it I... does sound like it's mostly the western part of the continent, so I'm pretty sure they're not in New Jersey. My dad killed a snake with a shovel once while we were camping. It was not a rattlesnake, though. I mean, I've seen snakes in the wild, but just small garden snakes. Yeah, me too. They're cute. I like the small garden snakes because they're safe. And snakes feel cool. They do. They are so cool. I kind of want to write a fic where the two girls from Satan's Witches... Uh, one of them is a professional snake handler and like she's working at a zoo or a pet shop or something with snakes and the other girl comes in and uh, is like hey I'm into witchcraft <laughs> you want to be my friend <laughs> and and the snake handler girl is kind of lonely and is like oh this is cool and that's how she gets into the cult that sounds great I would read it cool. nice um, what's next? 
I don't know. I'm like on the Rattlesnake Wikipedia page. So clearly I have gone off the rails of the topic of this podcast. We could become a snake uh, podcast. I would happily do that. I don't know anything about snakes except that I love them and I wanted one for a long time, but I probably won't ever get one. My I don't think I'd dad. get one. F- oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you talk. You're more interesting. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, I don't think I'd get one as a pet, but I've often thought that I'd like a tarantula for a pet. <laughs> a rancho? A rancho. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather have a snake than a tarantula. Same. We did have a tarantula in third grade for like six weeks because we were taking care of it for my teacher's friend. And her name was Rosie. Ah. Was she Rosie Malone? <laughs> um, only <laughs> Rosie Malone was like cursed by someone. <laughs> and then forced to live as a very long-lived tarantula (laughs) oh (laughs) this tarantula's name was rosie i thought your teacher's friend was named rosie no the tarantula was rosie (laughs) okay now my comment sounds weirder (laughs) jen i actually heard it the way you heard it first too (laughs) (laughs) sorry i was not clearer Starsky and Hutch tarantula you. <laughs> I would read it, though. Who would be more likely to get an exotic pet, like a snake or a rancho? Starsky or Hutch? Mm. Starsky as an investment, Hutch as a curiosity. That's my answer. I feel like... I feel like we know that Starsky's kind of afraid of snakes. Although, to be fair, I think anyone would be afraid if a rattlesnake came out of a fridge. But he he definitely had a, a level of terror that makes me think that he would not get even a safe snake in the aftermath of Satan's Witches. But Hutch, I could totally see getting, like, a very gentle, coily kind of snake that he would just let roam his apartment and live in his trees that are in his apartment <laughs> for some reason. So I could see that happening. And then Starsky never goes to his apartment again. (laughs) That's how they break up. (laughs) But Starsky learns to overcome his fear because he loves Hutch that much. He learns to love Hutch's snake because he loves Hutch's snake. (laughs) I knew where that was going. (laughs) And I knew it was going to be terrible. But I was just like, yes, gonna let Monica go there. You're welcome. (laughs) Do you know what I would like? What? To make at some point. I don't know when, though, because uh, I'm trying to finish a fic, and I'm trying to work on a vid that I'm not even halfway done with yet. But I think it would be fun. You know those videos on YouTube that are like, the 10 worst sequels of Hollywood movies, or the 10... Uh, sidekicks who almost ruined a TV show. There, there are all sorts of like top ten lists for movies and TV shows. Like Looper is a, a channel on YouTube that has tons of these, and they're just like if you're just looking for ten minutes to waste and you don't mind, you know, fairly mindless lists. They're kind of entertaining. I watched a few of them. Uh, one of them made me really mad though because it was it was the one that was like. Uh, sidekicks who almost ruined the TV show they were on 
And most of them I had not seen the TV show or I kind of agreed with. But then they said that Foggy almost ruined Daredevil. <gasps> what? And, and I, I like rage quit that video. I could not deal with the idea that someone actually thought Foggy was a detriment to the Daredevil TV show. Foggy is the one makes that show worth it. Right. Foggy is the best. So anyway, I think it would be fun to do something for Starsky and Hutch. And my ideas would be either like the top 10 uh, rants that Hutch has <laughs> um, the, or uh, the, the top 10 gentlest moments of Starsky and Hutch <gasps> to kind of fight back against that idea that it's all about these two tough cops. Like, no, here are 10 moments where they're holding each other gently or, you know, well... well there are lots of gentle moments that aren't even about them cradling each other, although you could probably do a top ten cradling list. But well, like I feel the- like that's every fan vid. Is a top <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, like, Starsky and Hutch are like, kind of dorky guys with great compassion and conviction. Like, that's who they are. Mm-hmm. And they're very community-minded. They feel a, a great deal of responsibility for the people around them. They're yeah, they're they're really not tough, or at least they're not. I, I don't. They're know. not like gritty, grim, dark, uh, jaded. No, no. They, they wind up half adopting random children several yep. times. Mm-hmm. I oh I know. Here's here's I. You might have made this comparison already, Jen, but it's like it's like how everyone thinks Wolverine is versus how Wolverine actually is. It's <laughs> <laughs> like. Wolverine, like, yes, but also, like, Starsky and Hutch have never disemboweled anyone. That's true. So, (laughs) I feel like Wolverine's rep is a little bit more earned. But it is true that he he does go around adopting teenage girls all the time. Yes. Um, And it's completely not creepy. Like, that's not sarcastic. It's never creepy. It's magical. Uh Uh-huh. It's like you see these 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 characters who are supposed to be scary and and tough and unapproachable and and they're they're people with really big hearts. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it cuz like they Starsky and Hutch are they have many tough scenes. Like it's it's the fact that that's kind of what people harp on when anyone who's a fan I think could say yes, they have really big hearts. Yeah. And they, you know, if they didn't have big hearts, they wouldn't constantly be getting in situations where their hearts are broken. Mm-hmm. They like, love too much. They they do. They have a lot of love in their hearts, and sometimes it it makes them sad. Mm-hmm. But then their angst is good, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of angst and uh, sadness... On the Facebook group, just yesterday, I believe, someone posted a page from the Sweet Revenge script. And I believe you can view the entire script if you join the Facebook group, because I think they have it in in the files of the group. There are many scripts in the files. Um, I actually read an entire script for an unfilmed episode that someone posted that was very interesting. But anyway, this was uh, a page from the Sweet Revenge script. And it's just one page, so not a lot of material. But it's got Dobie asking the doctor 
how much longer they think Starsky has, and the doctor thinks Starsky might only live a day. Then Hutch is in the hospital room with Starsky, and Hutch, uh, here's, here's what it, the script says. Hutch, barely audible. Starsk, can you hear me, Starsk? I'm here. We're all here. Doby, Huggy. You've got to fool him, Starsk. You've got to make it. And you know why? Because without you, Starsk, there's no me. Oh, God. <laughs> My heart can't take it. They're so codependent. Yup. <laughs> so beautiful. So beautiful. And the, the direction, uh, which was actually before that section, uh, Hutch stares down at Starsky and feels an overwhelming sense of hope- helplessness. Hutch ventures another step closer, then bends down, getting as close as he can, as if, somehow, in this crowded little room, he can still share a private moment with his friend. Oh my god! Oh, oh that's beautiful. That's so yep. romantic. <gasps> They're so in love. They are! How are they... Oh, I don't understand how, like, everything just leads to them being more and more in love. It's, like, baffling how they managed to do that without intending it, you know? Yeah, there are a lot of scenes where there's no heterosexual explanation. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I find myself waffling on that because, like, I agree half the time and then half the time I'm like, well, I don't don't know. Friends can have this deep, deep connection that's true well, there are some scenes that's i'm not saying like their entire friendship okay i'm saying yeah. there are certain elements of it where i'm like no this makes a whole lot more sense if they're just in love yes i'll <laughs> i'll 100 co-sign that obviously friendship is great it otherwise is. i wouldn't be on this call <laughs> <laughs> well i guess i could kind of segue from that into my rec corner okay. uh, because I've decided that my recs for today are two fics that are quite different in style uh, and, and substance, but have a similar theme. And that theme is Hutch losing his mind after Sweet Revenge. And <laughs> this is maybe one of my favorite themes. If someone said, like, describe <laughs> your favorite sub-subgenre of Starsky and Hutch fic... I might be like, oh, Hutch falling apart post-Sweet Revenge. <laughs> I don't know. And there are lots of fics that deal with this uh, in, in various ways. Like, a lot of fics where as Starsky's recovering, Hutch sort of starts falling apart, uh, where he's just a lot of dealing with a lot of stress. But these two take it a step further. Both of these fic involve Hutch hallucinating. Losing a grip with reality is a fun thing to explore in fic. The first one is called The Window by M. Vernet. And this one, uh, Starsky is still in the hospital. He's recovering. He's doing pretty good. And Hutch is, is hanging on. He's stressed out trying to bring down Gunther and like, uh, I mean, they've brought Gunther down, but it's pre-trial and there's a lot of uh, loose ends to tie and stuff. And Hutch has been hearing the ping pong game in his head and I don't know uh, if you remember, but in the episode of Sweet Revenge, uh, 
I'm sure you all remember in the opening scene, Starsky and Hutch are playing ping pong mm-hmm. uh, right before Starsky's shot. But then there is a scene later in the episode where Hutch is in an elevator and you hear the noises from that ping pong game in his head. He's he's sort of reliving it briefly as he's in the elevator. It's a short scene, so I think it was pretty clever of M. Vernet to sort of take this brief moment in the show and make it an ongoing issue where Hutch is hearing that game kind of constantly in his head and it become it becomes sort of a metaphor for trying to keep multiple balls in the air and that he feels like if he makes one mistake, everything's going to come crashing down. Oh, no. And and then Starsky does uh, suffer a a health setback. And there's there's another aspect, too, that Hutch has been describing a park across the street to Starsky when he comes to visit because it's a sunny little park with, like, uh, families come there, so he'll stand by the window and kind of tell Starsky about like what kids are playing there right now or or what's going on it sort of is his way of you know keeping Starsky sort of invested in the outside world and I don't want to give away the fic too much it's not a particularly long story um, but it turns out that a lot of what Hutch is seeing isn't actually there (laughs) so it's definitely a a hurt comfort story and I think it's got a very sweet ending that's awesome and then the second one is called The Ground Beneath Our Feet by Gideon B.D. and this one again Starsky is still in the hospital getting better well, okay, this one's a non-linear story. So <gasps> wait, star- I might have. Okay, I don't know if I've read this one or not. Tell, 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 tell us about it, and then I will let you know if I've read it or not. Okay, so it opens with Hutch standing at the top of a very tall building, looking down, and he's completely desolate because Starsky is dead. As he's looking down, he's thinking about how he just can't go on, but he's hearing Starsky's voice in his head. And Starsky is freaked out saying, what the hell are you doing, Hutch? Get back here, Hutch. As the story progresses, I I think it's pretty clear early on to the reader or to most readers that Starsky's not dead, that he is in fact the voice in Hutch's head, and that Hutch uh, kind of had a a break while they were in the hospital and and believes that Starsky is dead, but Starsky is not. Oh no. It's a very lyrical story. It's got very poetic writing. I like the way that the author weaves in some developments to Starsky and Hutch's relationship that occurred in the hospital while Starsky was recovering in Mm. sort of small flashbacks throughout the story. And you find out why Hutch believes that Starsky is dead and the way that Hutch sort of slowly comes back to himself and realizes that, no, Starsky is right there beside him, uh, I think is just very beautifully done. That's Aww. awesome. I have not read it. It was not what I thought it was going to be. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, neither neither of these stories is particularly long. Uh, the Ground Beneath Our Feet is about 4,000 words, whereas The Window is about uh, 6,000 words. Um, so I definitely recommend them both. Oh, those sound like beautifully tragic in just the right way. Yes. I I love heavy angst as long as there's comfort at the end. And so both of those stories hit that sweet spot. They sound really great. Earlier when you said that 
it was your favorite subgenre. I was going to make a joke about Hutch subgenre being your favorite. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't. But then I did. Right now. <laughs> you, you did make that joke. That's okay. Um, <laughs> there's I, I, I would read Hutch sub stories. There aren't really many. I, I think there might be a couple. And uh, I don't know if I've actually found more than one or two. Hmm. But that's okay. I'm, I'm happy with what I found. Nice. Did I tell you guys my dad was watching Magnum Force on TV the other day? Oh my god, no! <laughs> I walked into his room and he was watching Magnum Force. Oh my god, that's amazing. So I sat there and I watched like the, the gun range scene and stuff. <gasps> yes. Oh my god. Oh. That's something that like I feel like in ten years I'm gonna like rewatch and like have a big dive into like wanting like all the Magnum Force stuff. You could always borrow my DVDs. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think we're wrapping it up. Um, I did want to say that... Shere Khan? Yes, Shere Khan. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to say that Shere Khan... There were some Shere Khan announcements um, that nominations for the Shere, the two uh, the two Shere Khan awards, um, although one has multiple categories, um, and submissions for the Shere Khan zine have been extended until the 15th, and that's just about a week away from when this episode should post so you still have time to get those in and then starting in september i think voting for the awards starts but you need to get those nominations in and that's all i have about ShareCon announcements is there anything else newsworthy uh oh yeah uh just a reminder we are on itunes and stitcher now in case you want to find us there Yes, make sure to search for me and the and three on iTunes and Stitcher. I don't think we come up if you search for anything else. That's fair. Uh, like I've I've looked up Starsky and Hutch on the iTunes podcast library before, and although a handful of things do come up, ours doesn't. And I'm not sure if that's because we're such a new podcast, or if it's because. Starsky and Hutch is not actually in the title of our podcast, although it is in our subtitle. So oh, we haven't keyworded it right or something, you know. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, and in some future episodes, I'll talk a little bit about some of the things that do come up when you search Starsky and Hutch in iTunes. I would definitely be curious about that. If you need to reach us at all, you can find us uh, at our email, meandtheand3 at gmail.com. You can find our website at meandtheand3.com. And you can tweet at us on Twitter at meandthe3. Uh, dot nothing. Dot nothing. <laughs> at how me does three. Twitter work? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, thank you so much for joining us. Bye. Bye. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to start again.